Welcome, everyone, and Happy New Year from Dead Talk Live. And I can't think of a better way to start the new year off than with our guest tonight, Ellen Adair from hit shows as Homeland, The Sinner, movies such as Trick. Ellen, Happy New Year. Thank you for being here with us. How are you doing? I, you know what? I'm great, uh, especially given the general state of the world. I feel like I might be an appropriate Happy New Year gift for the year 2022, which I sort of feel like is generally, you know, it's like read the room, years aren't happy anymore. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Bit. Yeah. And, and let's just hope 2022 gets a little better than 2021 was. So just by the end, you know, like if we can just have it be better by the end, I'll consider that a success. Me too. Me too. I totally agree. And let's just get right, you know, right to it. Your career started when you were approximately like 18 years old in 2006. I love hearing the stories of how actors got into acting, whether it was something they knew from childhood. And I've heard some actor stories where they just sort of walked right into it and found great success. So what was your story like and how did you get into it? Yeah, I have wanted to be an actor since I can remember, like since I was a little child, I always wanted to be an actor, which I always say like belies some lack of personal development that like that's what I wanted to do when I was five and here I am still just making believe for a living. Um, I mean, I'm so lucky. So yeah, I mean, I though I wanted to be an actor when I was a child, I was not like a child actor. Mm -hmm. I just was you know doing kids plays and theater camp and stuff like that and uh my first sort of professional thing was theater and it came when i was 15 i was uh puck in a midsummer night's dream nice. with the indiana shakespeare company yeah which was really really fun so uh you know that's that's i guess kind of where the journey the journey got started and come on it's amazing like you said you get to go on screen, pretend, have fun, and you get paid for it. I mean, come on. There can't be any, anything better than that. It's the best life. It's the actual best life. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's a lot of other things that aren't, you know, actually getting to act and doing the craft that I feel like are the dues that actors pay in order to get to, you know, just be like, I'm going to pretend like I'm the sheriff and like you're the detective. And obviously there's a reason that I thought of that particular scenario uh, <laughs> this evening. But like, yeah, it's just it's like, you know. It's just like being a kid and and kind of being like, well, if I'm this and you're that, then like, what are we going to do? It's the best. It is the best. So, like I said, you got your start in 2006 and you appeared in a lot of television shows, hit TV shows. You did some shorts. And then in 2019, well, that's when the movie was released, Patrick Lussier casted you in Trick. First off, uh, what were your feelings in regards to horror? Because Trick is uh, pretty gory. Uh, so what are your feelings in regards to horror? Well, it's been a journey with me and horror, John. Uh, so I was actually raised without a television. And I didn't have a television until 2010. 
So like for most of my life, I did not have a TV. It's wow. hilarious that I was like working in TV before I had one. Of course, by that point, like the computers had sort of become a version of, of television. Um, but for that reason, I'm, I'm less so now that I've had a decade with a television, but I'm very porous about what I watch. Like I take on the, uh, if the person in the television show is stressed about their lives, I will also be stressed while I am watching the show or the movie or whatever it is. So I have not historically been a horror fan. I had an experience, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think if it's like the first horror movie that I saw in my life or if I'd seen another one before then, but I think, I think maybe not. I think the first horror movie that I saw was Event Horizon. Oh, that was um, scary. That's a scary movie. It was movie. pretty scary. And I love sci-fi. So, like, it was at a slumber party. And I was like, yeah, I'll sign on for this. There's a spaceship. Let's go. And uh, I was I was terrified. Like, I saw Sam Neill's face in the darkness of my room for, like, an entire month. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe this is not my preferred genre. However, what I will say is for my whole life, my, my favorite overall genre is the people fighting with swords genre of film. So it's not that I uh, cannot deal with violence in a film. It is not that I even can't deal with gore. Like I, I mean, you know, at around the same time that I didn't necessarily uh, respond particularly well to Event Horizon, I loved Gladiator. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe it's like a contradiction. Anyway, so all of this is to say I have uh, I have developed a real appreciation for horror as a genre. I still think it would be unfair to call myself a horror fan just because I feel like that uh, indicates a level of knowledge that I don't feel like I have. Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm sort of behind on everything, right? Because I didn't have a television until 2010. Um, but uh, yes. I, I really like horror now. There are some s sort of subgenres of horror that like particularly terrify me. I have never seen The Exorcist. I don't I don't know if I'll see The Exorcist <laughs> because it's like possession is the thing that is the scariest for me, sort of like supernatural elements. So something like Trick that's just like, a, I mean, I think that there's some obviously some fun twists in Trick, but a more straightforward like slasher film um, I, is is uh, easier for me to enjoy than something where people are getting possessed by the devil, like in let's say Event Horizon, for example. Event Horizon, I mean, what a great and I think somewhat underrated movie. Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, a very very scary movie. I saw that in the theaters when it first came out. Um, oh God! <laughs> now you had. Uh, like I said, a very successful television career until Patrick Lussier came calling. When it came time to do that film, and first of all, was that your first full feature-length film? According um, to IMDb, it is. I'm trying to think. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was. Uh, I should know my own history better than that. But yeah, I think maybe it was. I mean, I I th am trying to remember if there was like a, you know, super, super low budget indie film 
that I shot like right out of uh, college that might have preceded that, but like that film doesn't even exist, so I don't think. Yeah, it uh, according to IMDb, yeah. Trick is your first uh, full-length feature film. So, what were your feelings when uh, Patrick casted you and you were doing this feature film? Uh, was it weird coming from doing predominantly television your whole career up until that point? Uh, no, and I mean, I think what I'm remembering is I might have actually, I might have shot a film the previous fall that just came out after that. Um, but I don't, I don't think I really thought about it at all. Obviously, like I'm surprised by you sharing this uh, fact of my biography with me. So yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it. Um, I think. I was extremely excited by a lot of things. Now, one thing that I sort of left out of my uh, brief biography of me and the horror genre earlier is that I had said for a long time, like, I would love to do horror. I really should do horror because I'm very easily scared. Like, it is very easily real to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just like, it's easy for me to uh, make the scary thing real and have the shivers go up my spine. Of course, the hilarious fact with that is that of of the horror things that I have done, which are now a, a decent number after Trick, as well as that film, I'm never actually the person who's super scared. Like, usually I'm the person who's like, I don't know, man. Like, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's me in uh, in that and, and a movie that I shot at the end of 2020 that's going to be out pretty soon, um, which, which is really fun actually um anyway i might have derailed myself slightly from your original question no no uh, actually you answered it because tv i've had a lot of people tell me the what's the big difference between television and film is the pacing television mm. things are done really quickly you gotta go by the schedule in film you have a little bit more leeway maybe a little bit more time do you agree with that yeah, I think that that's true. I think that something that is not universally true that I've found, and it could just be that most of the, f well, all of the films that I have worked in, I have never been in like a big studio film, um, have been independent on some level or another. And so consequently, there's just a little bit more of a collaborative element to them. There's a little bit more of, uh, I just feel like my ability to say, hey, you know, what about this moment? What if I say this? And to be totally fine if that's not appropriate, but to to like be able to offer that up is not something that I feel like, at least uh, on the television shows that I've worked on um, or at the level that I've worked in television, not being number one on the call sheet on a television show yet. Um, I, I, have not, I have not sort of felt like there would be that freedom. Okay. Um, so I think that that's certainly a difference. And yes, I would say that there's a difference in pace, but also I feel like there's a little bit of a difference in pace in horror and not horror in my experience so far, okay. um, which is just that, yeah, horror generally needs more space. Like everything you, even if you're, even if you're, uh, ultimately, the editor is going to chop out some of that time. I find that in the performing of it, mm -hmm. very often um, the director will say, no, you like you can take a little bit more time with it. And me, of course, I think a lot of the sort of 
not all of my early television roles, but a number of them are like fast talking lawyer and reporter types. And so I'm used to, you know, jumping on my cues and saying what I can say as Chief quickly of as possible. And, uh, and getting so out. On. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think like, I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten the note, uh, great, but can you do it faster uh, on a film? And I uh, have occasionally gotten that note on TV, but I have often gotten the note like, great, but like, take your time with it nice. uh, on on uh, in film. But the, the through line that I was sort of drawing is that I, uh, last year I worked on my first TV horror show um, which is Archive 81, which is coming out in like 10 days on Netflix. Nice. I'm just in one episode of it, but it's like, it's, it's, it's so good. And I was just really, uh, really honored to be any small part of it. And that was something that the director, uh, Rebecca Thomas, who I just like uh, worshipped her, kept on saying to me and and the other actor that I was working with just like no but you can like take your time with it a little bit more and we were just looking at each other like so used to working in tv being like okay yeah yeah we're gonna take our time with it yeah <laughs> it was great that's was really awesome great. you've had the I mean I don't know what the right word is pleasure of walk of working with so many amazing actors let's take Omar Epps who was your co-star in Trick great yeah. actor uh, how did you find him in collaborating with him and working scenes together? Describe the experience of what it, it was like, you know, collaborating with Omar. It was really great working with him. And I think what one of the qualities that he has as an actor that I uh, sort of loved the most in terms of our our dynamic um, with his, uh, you know, Detective Denver and my uh, sheriff Lisa Jane was uh, how how quickly his motor is running, but privately. Mm -hmm. Like it's so clear that so much is going on inside for him but that he is, you know, being the incredibly accomplished on-screen actor that he is, he's really keeping that, uh, keeping that hidden in a way that was always fascinating for me as his scene partner to try to divine and to sort of try to figure out what he was thinking. It was like, you know, I mean, that's my favorite part of being an actor is getting to work with other actors mm -hmm. is getting to think like what are you thinking right now and and like getting to be curious about what their experience is and like his inner motor is so powerful um but so um uh I don't know, like, yeah, there's like sometimes hard to read yeah, I mean, in a way that was just like great, like absolutely great to work with. Yeah. I became a fan of Omar Epps in his eight season run on House. I don't know if you've ever watched House, but he was just absolutely yes. amazing. And he's such a great actor. Now, when it came to your character in Trick, uh, which is Sheriff Jane, uh, did Patrick have any one on one conversations with you? on how he thought the character should be played? Did he allow you a lot of freedom to bring your own ideas as to how the character should be played? How did your interactions with uh, Patrick Lussier go? Yeah, well, I remember he wasn't in the original auditions. And so 
I, the first time that we talked, we had a long phone call, um, just, you know, like talking about the character and talking about the project. And when I read the script, I had responded so strongly to, to the story, which I think, you know, is really fun and has a, a fantastic uh, twist for anybody who hasn't seen it. But I also just really responded to the character of, of Lisa Jane as she was written. Like it's, it's the thing that people say about like a character just sort of like jumps out. I was like, Oh, I know, I know who this person is inside of me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, you know, had just gone into the audition with a sort of an interpretation of, of who she was and, um, and, and, you know, apparently Patrick liked it because he cast me. And so that was sort of the, the the start of the conversation. But we did, you know, we talked uh, a lot about sort of what her, uh, or at least I think I was curious about kind of like her path to becoming the sheriff kind of young. And so we talked about what her, what her backstory was uh, to a certain degree, which I also then kind of, you know, filled filled in a lot more of the gaps for myself uh, in my work on the character, but uh, I remember. I mean, one of my one of my other favorite things about being an actor, besides getting to play with other actors, is um, doing research because I'm just a nerd. Uh, I'm just uh, like Hermione Granger personality type. <laughs> so, I remember being honest with Patrick about feeling like you know, I did not know a lot about the horror genre at that point. And so I said, what are some films that you want me to watch in sort of preparation for like, what's the mood of this? Or, you know, where, where might I just kind of like take some, some inspiration for the, for the tone of, of the film. And so he gave me a, a list. I can't, I wish I could remember all of the films. I remember some of them um, to watch, and uh, and so I I you know uh, gratefully and joyfully did my homework. <laughs> now, that's very <laughs> interesting because I've spoken to quite a few actors, and everybody has their own method. Uh, some actors say the script is their guide, uh, according to a character. When I asked a question in regards to backstory, uh, so according to you. Uh, yeah, you have the material, you have the script in front of you, but it's important for you to play the character to its fullest, for you to fill in the stuff that we don't get to see on the screen as to what makes that character tick. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, just because they've got to be a whole person, and so they've got to carry everything in their life with them up until that point and and so knowing the more specific that i can be about what my life has been and about what therefore is my attitude about the world and my attitude about other people and you know the attitude about the place that i live in is obviously you know we are all as human beings telling ourselves stories about what the world is mm -hmm. all the time and I think lots of times we don't think that we're telling ourselves that story. We just think, oh, well, this is how the world is. But actually, everybody's constructing that. So it's very important for me, for my, for any character that I play, for me to be very clear about, like, what is their story about what the world is? Yeah. Because I do think that 
you know, I think backstory is very important, but I think for me, it actually, it starts with the text. Um, it starts with the script and it starts with what am I, what am I doing? And like, what is my relationship to the people and to the world around me? And, you know, how do I, how do I love or not sometimes? Um, and that sort of that's then I kind of like build backwards from that to be like, well, what, what would I have experienced to get me to this place? Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's, just in the way that like when we're in our lives, we're not necessarily thinking about our past lives. We just carry that with us necessarily. So that then when I'm in a scene, I'm not like sitting there thinking about, oh my gosh, you know, when I was a, a child, I saw a dog killed and it scarred me forever or whatever. Like, I'm just thinking about who is this person? What is my relationship to them? What what are they doing? Like, what are what are the real life questions that I, as a person in that scene, have? Um, but yeah, I think you know you gotta you gotta know exactly where your character's coming from. And do you bring? Do you find yourself bringing a lot of your real life experience into your characters to draw up the particular emotions for a scene? That's a great question, and. Honestly, I feel like it is uh, there are there are two different schools of thought about this. And I feel like I have in my life, I have utilized both. And it's interesting that, see, I, I sort of came from the theater world first. Um, and in theater, I would tend to not think about my own life because what I found was that like, the more that I thought about something, the more it lost its potency. So if I've got to do, well, if I get to do a play for like 60 performances or, you know, even 30 performances, if I'm relying on thinking about uh, my life, it's not, it's just not going to work after, you know, the like seventh performance at the best. Um, but the character's life because it's always fresh to me like in in a way uh because i'm not retrieving that memory because it's happening to me right in that moment mm -hmm. that it like it would it would was um more regularly get me to the place yeah. that uh that the story wanted me to go to however i feel like with uh, with on-camera work, there's this, I've, st I've studied uh, for many years with Bob Krakauer, who's just a great on-camera guy. And he has this word that, because it's sort of variously interpreted, I think is maybe even kind of being phased out, but it's personalization. And uh, the way that I understand personalization, because everybody understands it in different ways, is that it's like figuring out, well, what is the analog to this thing in my life okay. so that I can make sure that it is like very, very deeply felt. So I will do that work when I'm like literally first uh, thinking about the script. So if I'm if I'm like, well, who is this character to me? Like, who is, who is a person that is like this to me in my life? Um, or if there's not that person, I'll try to imagine like an actor that I know really well playing that part, just so that it sort of like gets into my gut a little bit better. Yeah. Um, or I'll be like, well, you know, this 
memory that this uh, person has? What is something that is sort of a similar memory in my life or what is like a you know similar relationship that I have? And so I kind of go into those places, but then once I'm actually doing it, I don't think about my life. I just think about, uh, I just think about the, the person's life, the character. The character. Life. Yeah. Totally yeah. makes sense. Now, share the, the sheriff that you play in trick, uh, Patrick breaks a lot of the, uh, stereotype types in regards to the final girl makes your character a very strong uh female presence in the film in fact the movie starts off with omar epps's character sort of being the lead and then about halfway through you become the lead in 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 the story uh at least that's how i i interpreted it um i'm delighted to hear that i always thought it was omar's story you know (laughs) How do, <laughs> how do you feel about how Patrick, uh, you know, empowered, uh, you know, Sheriff Jane and how he incorporated that into the script? Well, I mean, it's one of the things that really, really drew me to the script um, was, you know, how strong my character. And also, I think how strong Cheryl, uh, Christina Reyes's character, Christina does a be- beautiful work in the um, in the movie. And, you know, in some ways, like I could see somebody being like, actually, it ended up being Cheryl's movie because Cheryl has like the farthest distance between two points um, in the film. So uh, I, I I do think that there's sort of like quiet politics in the movie that uh that just have to do um rather than you know anything being like explicitly political you know with with just the people that they chose to populate the world with um and, and, that I, is and done I mean that quite a bit in horror where with uh, social commentary politics that are not spoke it's done very often in horror this is one of the things that is like that really makes me like the horror genre a lot is that i feel like every horror movie that i've ever seen is not is always about something else Mm -hmm. also like it's and so i feel like you get people saying all the time well it's not really a horror movie it's this i'm like yeah but that's every horror movie like why are we why are we afraid of of actually like just owning the really great thing about the genre that like what it always is, is like tapping into whatever sort of deep seated fears we have about any number of issues, you know, whether they're like social issues or political issues or anyway. Um, Sorry if I got, uh, got us off, off, uh, off tangent again, that's like my special skill. It's just uh, like, Oh, what's this? I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, I mean the the strength of the women in the movie and like the strength of of Sheriff Jane in particular as the role that I was auditioning for um just really really excited me. And you know, I loved uh getting to um getting to have that action sequence where I you know, try to save uh one of my deputies uh not to spoil anything. It's not entirely successful. Uh, but like that kind of thing was uh, very exciting to me in the reading of it and like so fun in the doing of it. Like I was just like, yeah, like I just want to shoot an action movie. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. Would you say that uh, this role has been to date maybe your most physically demanding and also psychologically demanding role that you've had? Uh, 
I would say to date, it probably is the most physically demanding role that I've had. Um, although I, I am cast in another movie that doesn't have an exact time frame for when we're shooting because um, I, you might have heard there's like this global pandemic. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, and I think that will be more, uh, more physically challenging uh, in a great way. Like I'm really excited for it. Um, and in terms of uh, psychologically demanding, that's a very interesting question. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like um, I shot another horror movie last summer um, that I, I cannot share the name yet, okay. um, but uh, I had a great time. It's with a, a company called Philly Born Films. Um, Mike Walsh wrote it and Bridget Smith directed, and I just had a great time. And that was a very, very psychologically complex uh, film to shoot. And I, I feel like, uh, there's, there's more, there are more highs and lows with that. Uh, whereas I feel like, uh, with, with trick, uh, and you know, I feel like in some ways, even though they're very different, uh, people with different views of the world, um, you know, like Lisa Jane is put through the ringer in trick, uh, in a way that I sort of feel, like Bess in the Sinner also is. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a lot of days in Trick where you're like, this was a good day for Sheriff Lisa Jane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that uh, there's there's so much uh, interesting things to mine in, in shooting Trick with sort of uh, my relationship with D Denver and Cheryl and the other people in the town and my like, I think almost like mothering need to try to take care of my town and to feel like I'm constantly failing in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. was hard. Now. Okay. Now let's move on to some of your TV work. You've appeared in two of at least my favorite shows critically acclaimed. You've appeared in season two of the center and season seven of the Emmy award winning Homeland. Uh, two great shows, great cast. Uh, let's start with The Sinner. Um, of course, it stars Bill Pullman and Jessica Bail. Not only was the star in the first season, but she's like sort of the main executive producer of the entire show. Uh, when it came to The Sinner, was Jessica on the set a lot of the time? Uh, or was she sort of in the background? What was her role as the executive producer on that show? She was definitely on set. Okay. Um, I don't know that she was on set. I don't know. That, I certainly didn't see her every single day that I filmed. Um, but I uh, have a distinct memory of fangirling her uh, very early in the process <laughs> when I got to meet her. Because I think that her performance in the first season of that show is one of my favorite television performances that I've ever seen. Cora, I think yeah. she's just stunning. And so, you know, I felt like I had to tell her that the instant that I saw her. That is yeah. what got a lot of people hooked on that show is not only her performance, the, chemist the chemistry between her and Bill Pullman was <sighs> phenomenal, was phenomenal. Oh. Now, uh, in the center, your character dies in the very first episode, if I'm remembering correctly, near the very, very beginning. But the beauty of the center is the way they tell the story. I think that's mm -hmm. a big reason why it was such a successful show 
is it has a very unique way of storytelling. Do you agree with it? Do you like that way of storytelling? Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, in, in which it's sort of like the mystery is unraveling back and learning some of the backstory. Like, I love when, uh, when like, what happened in the past ends up sort of fulfilling a narrative function mm -hmm. in something that's being created. Uh, like, Another example of this that's a that's a horror thing that you might know is the film The Battery. Do you know that film? Yes. Jeremy Gardner's yeah. film? Yes. Yeah. And I love how early in the film it's planted that like, wait, something happened to them. And you don't actually find out what that was until the end of the film. Like it has a sort of a narrative payoff what happened in the past yeah. as opposed to being sort of like, we've got to get all the exposition out in the first 10 minutes so that then we can go on our journey. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's very satisfying. Um, I'm watching Station Eleven right now. I don't know if you're also watching it. I'm not, and, I'm not and watching that yet, yeah. Yeah, it's it, the way that that is also sort of like moving around in time uh is uh is very just wonderful to unpack it's like you as a viewer you don't even know what is the next piece that's going to come because you don't know like is it going to be from the past or is it going to be from the future like you don't know um so yeah i i think that that's one of the things that's really wonderful about the way that derek simmons has constructed all four seasons of of the sinner so far yeah. and you know bill pullman god mm. i just Watching Bill Pullman listen is like drinking a glass of water. Like it's just like you feel like I, you've come through the desert and now you get to watch Bill Pullman just listen to somebody else talk and you are quenched. It's so good. And I'm so happy for him that this show came along and, you know, allowed him to show his talent. I mean, th this is a, a person who has been working in the industry for a very long time. And for him to come back in this franchise and be a huge part of, well, I mean, he is partly, he is the franchise as to why mm -hmm. this is so successful and to see him act and to see him work. It is so uh, refreshing. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did not actually have any scenes with Bill uh, because your character died in the very first episode. Is that true? You're right. Yeah. I mean, there was a scene where I was a dead body. Yeah. Um, that must be... I often saw him in the makeup trailer. He's a very... He's like an exceptionally nice man. But no, we didn't really work together. I mean, that must be a little bit of a regret that you didn't get to have at least one scene where you got to work with him and, you know, you guys got to talk on front of the camera, right? Yeah, a little bit. Although I will say that, like, I was just definitely not starved for scene partners in that season of The Sinner. You know, like uh, Adam David Thompson is such a good actor, and uh, Alicia Hennig is just a prodigy, mm -hmm. and I love him forever. He's yeah, he's just a, a brilliant, like, souled human being. And then like getting to work with Carrie Coon. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Carrie Coon is just. Uh, I mean, I think maybe the coolest person that i've ever met in my life <laughs> i agree i mean and, i never met her but like, she definitely seems like one of the best such a good actor like such oh my god just yeah great and and like hannah gross it was a really wonderful season for 
you know, as long as we're talking about like strong female characters for a lot of really strong female characters. Uh, I still remember one time when Carrie said, you know, if a bunch of women are talking about a man, but he's a baby, does this pass the Bechdel test? And I was like, good point, Carrie Coon. Yeah. <laughs> that is very, very good. She's point. screamingly funny. Like, I just, she would, and I, I like, I wish, because of course now this shot like three years ago, and um, I, I mean, there's been this global pandemic, so, uh, which I mentioned before. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wish I could remember some of the stories, but I remember like laughing so hard that my face hurt just, just, you know, with some of the, the like observations that she would make. Now, Homeland, uh, season seven, which is your season on Homeland, it was also in 2018. Did you shoot Homeland first or did you shoot the center first? I shot, I shot Homeland first. Okay. Yeah. Now, and, and I was, I was completely wrapped on Homeland before I even auditioned for the center. So there was no sort of like overlap there. Okay. Now, uh, Homeland, Emmy award-winning show, a brilliant cast again, Claire Danes, Mandy Patankin. I mean, it goes on and on. Was there any kind of an intimidation factor when you got cast and you came on the set with uh, all those actors? Were you intimidated at all? Did they make you feel welcome, part of the family? How did that all work out? I would say that they they made me feel immediately welcome and I you know it's funny I don't remember being that intimidated I just felt excited I just felt like yeah like I get to play with some of my heroes mm -hmm. and this is the best day of my life um and I think some of that has to do with like the kindness of, uh, you know, of Leslie Linkaglatter and some of the other producers on the show who were, were so not only was the cast very warm, um, but they were also uh, just really, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to say this without like sounding grandiose. They seemed very thrilled with what I was doing, That's like awesome. from the get go in a way that I was like, oh, well, OK, I guess if, if you like what I'm doing, I can just keep doing that. And, um, you know, I, I was I was told by some of the writers that they uh, they sort of enjoyed my take on the character so much that my character ended up being much larger than than she was going to originally be, which is, I think, the best compliment. And like, yeah. I will hold to my heart on my deathbed um, whenever that should be. Yeah. You have um, uh, five episodes in season seven of Homeland. Yeah. Now, Mandy Patankin, he, I, I would have to say he is in my top 10 favorite actors. Uh, everything he does, he makes amazing. From I was so sad when he left Criminal Minds uh, uh, after two seasons. And he was very clear about it. He's like, this show is getting a little bit way too dark for me. And I mm. respect him for that, you know. Uh, and he landed on Homeland. And him and Claire Danes and their chemistry together on that show is again what made that such a winner uh and you play the chief of staff uh working opposite your senator sam paley is the character's name dylan baker another phenomenal actor what was your experience like with dylan oh it was the absolute best so a, a sort of a funny story is that uh like 
maybe the second day that we worked together, he said to me, like, oh, you look kind of familiar to me. And I said, oh, gosh, well, uh, I was hoping this wouldn't come up. But in like 2011, I fangirled you in the Times Square train station right after I'd seen God of Carnage. I'm very not shy about telling actors how incredible I think that they are. Like it just, I don't know, maybe it could be because I feel enough like that we are peers that I'm just like, you should know how great you are is how I feel all the time. So, um, so yes, I had just walked right up to him and he was so kind and so gracious. This is like when I was, you know, nobody like seven years before we would ever work on Homeland together. And he was just kind of like, Oh, huh, that's nice. You know? And I told him like, you were so nice and it made my week. And, and it wasn't until, uh, like, later that like a week later we were still shooting the same episode and he mentioned something about billions and i just sort of offhand i was like oh yeah like i'm on that show and he was like oh that's where i saw you was on you were on billions and i had revered dylan baker obviously like for so many years the thing that i said to him when i met him in the Times square train station is like dylan baker classes up everything that he does yeah. like whatever i'm watching if dylan baker is suddenly there it's immediately like 10 times better and uh and so like that had been uh, such a deeply held belief for me for so long that it never occurred to me that uh dylan baker could have seen me in something <laughs> that is such a but, great yeah. story Oh, gosh. And the thing to know about him, because, you know, he is usually just because it's like the storytelling of his facial features, he's usually playing a bad guy. He is like perhaps the nicest person oh, yeah. that I've ever met. He's like, it's so, so kind, like really, uh, really like excessively and unnecessarily generous i would say um so yes this is i just want to spread the gospel of dylan baker all the time that is awesome speaking of uh times square you're are you a native new yorker no i'm from philadelphia okay. originally okay yeah all right. yes uh, but i've lived i lived in queens for 12 years now so by some metrics i have gained my new yorker card well you know how that i'm from i was born and raised in queens so oh so we're in queens um literally a mile down the road from city field and oh uh, yeah in a corona jackson heights elmhurst i'm in jackson heights we're neighbors i mean i'm not there now i own my house there and we're spiritual and, neighbors yeah yeah i live outside dc now but i still own my home in queens the home that i grew up wow i can't believe you're in jackson heights that is so cool but, I love Jackson Heights so much. It feels to me more like my home than anywhere else in the United States. Like really? there are, yeah, I just, I just feel a spiritual kinship with it so much. Like there, you know, there are moments as I think probably anybody in this country, no matter like what side of the political divide you happen to fall on, there are moments where everybody in this country is like, gosh, I just don't know how I feel about the state of this country. Um, and I certainly feel that way. But like, there's not a day that like, I would not fight and die for Jackson Heights. Well, and, you like, know, just because, yeah. you know, in order to become, uh, if you're not born in New York, you know, we have a little, you know, inside New Yorker thing that to be an anointed New Yorker, you have to be anointed by somebody who was born and raised there. And just because of that comment, Ellen, I am anointing you a true New Yorker. 
today is the day. Oh, thank you. Oh, happy new year to me. That thank is you. so fast. This has been such a fun chat. Now you have a lot of upcoming projects that are in post-production. Which one are you most excited about that we should keep an eye out for? Gosh. Um, Oh no! Don't make me pick one of my children. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very. I, I'll just say these are the next two that should be coming out, and they're both horror or horror adjacent. And one of them is Archive Eighty One, mm-hmm. based on the podcast. Um, again, I'm just in one episode, but like I was like, I will, I will do anything to be in this. After and that sounds like an alien sci-fi type thing. Is that accurate? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I. I think it's I think it's certainly like within the like large and beautiful arms of the horror genre okay. myself. Okay, nice. Yeah. And what's the other um, one? And I mean, I don't actually know how it ends. You know, like I didn't read the whole thing, so I I don't know the degree to which there are aliens or not. To be honest, okay. So I can't like I can't even give you a spoiler. And uh, the next thing that should be out is this uh, is this movie Cryptid, which is a, a monster movie. Um, so it's in that like particular subdivision of the horror genre uh, that I uh, I had a great time working on. I mean, would you say that Trick uh, has really opened your heart and even maybe grown a fondness to the horror genre? Absolutely, it has. Nice. Yeah, I mean, also my husband is a huge horror fan, and so he has been very much enjoying me. Uh, I think, yeah, just like getting more and more uh, into the genre. And I mean, it's to the degree that like he and I are writing a horror comedy together. Nice. Right now. Yeah. That is so yeah. awesome. Ellen, thank you so much for coming on here. I had a blast talking with you. You are such a fun, talented actress. And I'm excited to see future stuff from you. And uh, it's going to be awesome. I loved you in Trick homeland the center uh like i said i think you're a really truly talented actress and you can do anything you set your mind to and it's a true honor and pleasure to watch you on the screen so oh my goodness no i mean it thank you so much are there any final thoughts you want to share with our audience before we go uh, I want to thank you for having me on this show. It's been a real blast for me too. And thank you for giving me those beautiful compliments and also anointing me as an official New Yorker. You are. You're like, one this of us is now. Like, yeah, like January 4th, 2022. This is a big day in my life. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful. And my wife's best friend is already been, off to a better start. My wife's best friend has been living in New York for the last 20 years. I still have not granted her that. She has not earned it. Not yet. <laughs> well, that means that means all the more, you know. And I'm like, I'll just I'll just hope that her day will. Come. I want to thank Ellen Adair, who has been our guest today, and starting off the year 2022 on a great note. Thank you to our audience who's watching this live, who will watch this archive, who will watch this on digital streaming later on. Uh, thank you for tuning in tonight, and until next time, which will be tomorrow, stay safe. And on behalf of Ellen and myself. Stay walking. Good night, everybody.